Inspire Instructor Podcast, where the learning never stops. Welcome, you wonderful people, to today's episode of Inspired Instructor Training Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest lined up with Kev Field. Kev is a great trainer and a confidence expert, and he shares all that knowledge and, and expertise with us today. So today we discuss um, being responsible for the learners we send to driving test and how that affects your triggers. And our competency for today is, was the pupil encouraged to analyze problems and create solutions? So before we head off to the show, I just want to ask you guys, if you haven't already, please, please subscribe to the podcast. um, And also a five star review wouldn't go amiss and it would be massively appreciated. Um, I'd also say that any feedback or requests people have, please get in touch. I'm always open to um, any sort of feedback and love hearing from you guys. You can either find me on Facebook or visit my website at inspireinstructortraining.com. Today we have a instructor trainer, a ADI, a confidence expert in Kev Field. So um, welcome Kev and welcome to the podcast. Thank you Phil and thanks for inviting me on. That's all right. I, I, did I miss anything out on that list? Have you? Any other... there's, there's probably loads and loads and stuff but yeah that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I feel like that was the main, the, the main one. Certainly the main ones I've 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 seen from 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 you there. Um, exactly. we, we'll get an opportunity to chat about those um, later. Um, what I want to do on this season's podcast is um, ask my guests a question that maybe comes up within the industry um, on a regular basis and um, get their opinion, basically. So um, <laughs> what I've chosen for you is... <laughs> something I see on Facebook quite regularly is um, ADIs mentioning how, and it, it's maybe died down a little bit since, but when the triggers first came out, um, <laughs> ADIs quite regularly said, how can I be held responsible for what my pupil does in that 40 minutes on a driving test? Um, because nerves kick in, things things like that. How can I be responsible? Um so yeah, I just wondered what your opinion on that was, Kev. <laughs> just a little question there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think it's really interesting. I think for for myself, and this is going to sound really bad, um, but I know what the trigger points are. But am I really interested in them? <laughs> and by what I mean, what I mean by that is, I go and do best job i can do whether that's training learners uh, pdis adis or w- whatever it is i go and do the best i can do and if at the end of that training i can turn around to myself and say do you know what i've done all right this person has got the understanding they've got the knowledge they've got the skills to go and pass that test what else is there for me to do you know, they might, well, you mentioned nerves there come in. I work on them as well. So that's also part of that knowledge. If I feel nervous, how can I, um, how can I overcome them? What's causing it? What's the root cause? So we work on them as well. So if I believe I've done the best and the person that goes for an L test and they have six dangerous faults, seven serious faults and 15 minors say that is caused by something else that's probably out of my control 
So my thoughts within that is always say to yourself is, am I doing the best that I can do? Is that person ready to do the assessment? And if the answer you, you're saying is yes, and the person that's doing the assessment is saying yes, what else could I do? Yeah. No, no, I 100% agree. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, actually. I don't worry. My, well, I don't really tell many learners anymore, but um, I don't worry myself about the triggers because, like you said, if you're doing just go and do the best job you can do. One and and I, actually, I want to come back to the whole confidence and the nerves thing because obviously you specialize in that. Um, and I think there might be some good tips that maybe we can send people away with um, on dealing with that. But it is really interesting, actually, that you sort of kind of described it the same as uh, I don't like using nerves as an excuse for a pupil not to be ready, if that makes sense. So I get that you can, so a lot of the time, in my opinion, that competence, lack of competence can cause nerves, but yep. you can also have nerves with competence. So you can be good enough and just be an anxious person. But if that is, so if, if competence is the issue, fix the competence, um, like fix the fact that they can't drive and that might help. But if if confidence is the issue, even though they have the competence, then don't just go, well, they get nervous on the driving test. Like, see that as a thing to go and, and sort it out. Like, in my mind, that is no different to a pupil that struggles with roundabouts. I wouldn't send them to the test if they were struggling with roundabouts. I If they're struggling with nerves, I don't send them to the driving test because it's not going to go well. Um, I, I work on techniques around how to how to fix those nerves, whatever those can be, um, and and send them as well prepared for whatever their issues are um, as I can do. And I think this goes post-test as well, actually, because if you've got some, I get the test is a, is a, a weird micro little world of, of stress, but actually if you've got someone who does struggle with that sort of stress, they're probably going to come across something in their life post-test that's going to create that same level of stress. Maybe it's the first time they get on a motorway or, or the first time they, have, they get into a big multi-story car park, I don't know, some, something like that. So have those conversations with pupils and give them coping mechanisms for, for that situation in their life so they're not freaking out in the middle of the road with no one helping them <laughs> in that scenario. So on that note then, Kev, like what if you had a pupil who is pretty anxious and you know that's their thing, that's the thing that's going to hold them back on the driving test, what are your top tips for, for, for those sort of pupils? And the first thing is is this 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 find out what it is. You know, that's what is causing that anxiousness, that nerves, those stresses. You know, what actually is it? Is it a lack of skills? Is it a lack of understanding or knowledge? Or is it a fear? You know, the fear of, well, what if the examiner does this? What if I go this way? So there's loads of what ifs coming in there so what we've got to find out first is what is the root cause um, and it could even be you know not having a test but also that roundabout it could be post-test and they're driving to somewhere that's unknown to them so find out what the root cause is what is the cause of that's happening inside them that's causing that then that gives you the clues to say okay let's work on that then what have you done before that's very similar? 
you know have you done something before where you felt this nervous you know you felt that inside where it's you know your stomach's having those butterflies you know have you done something before most people will say yes so what happened well i just went and did it and what was the result well it was this what skills did you use you know so if it's a fear of the unknown i don't know what i'm going to do well let's play with that well let's say um what if the examiner takes me to that big roundabout okay well what would you do i don't know and and this is where you, with confident drivers we have the phrase be a detective and i think a lot of instructors forget that because you are the knowledge you know you've got all the answers with the skills and you know the understanding but what we tend to do is be too early into it let's be curious mm. and this is where my nlp hat comes on but if you can be curious what you're finding is you're being a detective the student is actually working things out for themselves they're creating solutions to the problems themselves so if this does happen they've already replayed it so they know what to do i like that i like i also like the fact you're now linking to the competency we're going to talk about later um, <laughs> so the it's, it's all there in the competencies um i it's interesting that because i i use the detective thing as well and i have done for years I, like even before as a trainer i think i i talked about it in terms of how i did was a mm. was an instructor um i even use it for pupils actually in, in that when you're driving mm -hmm. i think you're you you should act a bit like it. go looking for clues go looking for stuff that's going to mess you up and 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 dangers and stuff like that and be investigate the road um so it can work both ways in that sense um but yeah i think i think probably what we've got to there is that deal with the nerves if you're not sure how to deal with the nerves i don't think we're going to be able to cover that entire topic in a, in a podcast um although you, you have a lovely podcast that will give you give give tips on, on on how to deal with that and there's plenty actually i think um and not wanting to plug other people in in the, <laughs> while you're on here but there are plenty of resources out there in the industry for dealing with nerves i think if you maybe think back maybe even just 10 years ago there wasn't i, I can't think of anyone actually 10 years ago who was talking about this so it's really great that like with the industry now that we have so many different people maybe specializing in certain topics and and helping instructors manage this side of the job that maybe they mm -hmm. have particularly when they're dealing with their part three they're not necessarily trained in this all the time um depending on the trainer but um i think it, it's quite if you're not sure on this side of the job or not or don't feel comfortable with this side of the job then go go make that your extra training because i think it's 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 crucial <laughs> it's it's crucial but it's, it's it's not part of the syllabus is it mm. you know when you look at the driving test form it doesn't mention nerves if you look at the part three it doesn't mention nerves so it, some people tend to negate that but i think it's a crucial part of driving mm. but then how many people do you hear say they were fine but it was the nerves so like mm post-test it's almost like the go-to phrase sort of kind of thing and so yeah. like if that's always the thing then let's let's deal with it like let's not make let's not be it's it was the nerves let's get past that um and mm -hmm. and I do think there are extremes of this so I do think there's there's a lot of pupils out there that 
I think you can work with them and they'll be and, and it will get them over that. And then there are some pupils I've, I've taught some recently um, where it's more than just a few conversations. It's like it's a deep rooted anxiety going on. And we've had to sort of kind of. But again, I didn't send them to test until they were ready to handle those that anxiety. So I would I, I remember one of my it might even be my I know my last person was my daughter, but the, the one before that um, was. I think probably the last, and bear in mind, she took quite probably about 120 hours with me. I would say the last 20 hours she could drive, but we were just purely working on her ability to handle the anxiety of the driving test. Um, oh. And then she went and passed first time because. She oh. was... <laughs> um, but I don't think she would have passed uh, like on that 100 hours if we hadn't spent all that time. I don't, she, I think she would have gone and. Oh like we probably did about six mock tests that she didn't finish <laughs> so at one point the goal was just to finish a mock test without falling to pieces so yeah and you can and i think what can happen is people do that and that's what happens on their tests they, they oh. go four, five six and it actually just they get exposure therapy in the end and, and finally then they handle it and but i don't think that the driving test is the place to be getting that exposure <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a it's a rough one, isn't it? You know, you yeah. it's an expensive one as well. If you want to go and do a test to see what you think, it's like, hmm. I'm not saying that should be the case for everybody, but I know some people that have to have that genuine experience. And I suppose that's in the, in the time I've been doing this, about two people that have had to do that, but could drive. They were yeah. more than capable of driving, but they were never going to pass Without because they it. knew what was going to happen, but they went to pass second time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I did everything I could with this people. We, like, we went to the test center a week before and we went, we went through everything but the test. So we went and sat in the waiting room. The examiners looked at us really confused because they were like, oh, we've only got three people and there's, there's two of us. And <laughs> um so we did yeah we did that um we we did mocks from the test center obviously out of hours and uh, just everything we could to kind of try and recreate that scenario and, and lots of sort of kind of changing her language and and things just to kind mm. of get her get her ready um i just want to come back to one more thing before we move on is something that i i talk to my instructors about because i think we've talked a lot about the pupils there and we, when we go back to like the triggers and it's not our fault um that sort of kind of sentence and we talked about how how we handle the, the triggers. One thing I suggest with my instructors, if they're having concerns with this, or if they're maybe having a dip in their in their pass rates, is to to grade or, or scale um, their their confidence in their pupil going into that test because we all have it. We like we're not always a hundred percent on every single pupil. Um, and so obviously like, don't, don't tell the people you, I'm, I'm only 50, 50 with you. Um, don't tell them that this is a secret scale. Let's build confidence here. Yeah. Um, but, but genuinely sort of kind of like go, where, where do I feel like I am with this pupil before I take them to test? And then just make a note of it, make a note of the result, maybe how many drive faults and stuff there were in that and, and see if you can see a pattern. Cause maybe what's happening is that your, your sevens, are on, on your pass rate at seven is really low 
and actually your eight and nines are really high pass rate and actually then you need to be start thinking well next time i think there's a seven i need to have a conversation with this pupil about more lessons or or moving the test and maybe it's just about and i think particularly when you're new to the job there's an element of knowing what the standard is and knowing what when knowing when to go okay yeah you might be all right versus no actually we need to move this and being oh. strong, strong with that and, and finding out where your number is with that um and i'm not oh. saying like, the nine and tens go and fail like that happens <laughs> um and then your yeah. four or five sometimes pass um but it, I, I just wondered it, it like as a keeping a record of your performance maybe that number next to those passes is that something you think would work with your with I, I think it's, it's again it's another technique isn't it and i think there's um i suppose the more we talk about this the more techniques you're going to get and it's a bit like uh, a bookshop how many books are in a bookshop but how many do we actually read or, um so again one of the things i use slightly different is the word trust so do you trust your student just again just asking that question it's like do i you know and you've got to be honest with yourself there but then what we also do is i want to ask my students how much they trust their driving yeah that's always an interesting conversation <laughs> and i think it's a really interesting conversation because it goes back to independent driving and i i feel that the test is different because they drive independently the examiner's not going to give them any help i'm a serial helper <laughs> my fingers might move slightly to sort of like like this or whatever and that is part of helping them um so when we do that you know ask that question do you trust your driving we're going to go out a route they choose the route or place they want to drive to and it's all about them trusting their driving to get to that point and in that i'm there to keep them safe we do the risk you know i'm not just going to say off you go so we do all the risk management but what happens is it's them driving on their own and how much do they trust their driving and it's probably one of the the biggest differences i've learned that if you can put the trust in the, the student and the student can trust their driving the results tend to improve yeah no i yeah no i really get that and it's something you see a lot is is over helping i think we're, we're a bunch of helpers that's what we do um <laughs> so it's but yeah knowing really knowing when to to, to shut up um there, there's always a, as well sometimes that it, you end up helping the people just by being there sometimes and in a way they'll ask you a question and they know you even if you don't answer it they kind of know you're not answering it sort of yeah it's okay sort of kind of thing so yeah really putting that sort of kind of responsibility on them i do find this quite interesting i i, so I taught, taught my daughter to drive this year uh well well she passed on the 2nd of january so technically this year um and i it's interesting how I viewed that slightly differently. Like I've all, all, obviously I've always wanted all my pupils to be safe, but she's my daughter. I really, I really wanted her to be safe. Um, <laughs> and how we put in, not necessarily because they were driving lessons, but 
because we were when we were going somewhere she she was then driving and and it really did become the sort of like are you going to be all right doing this when i'm not here like after you've passed your test because that terrifies me um and and so yeah i think probably that we did a lot of that maybe not in those words but it was me me checking i didn't care about the driving test i just wanted her to be safe after the test and um it's yeah it's interesting that sort of kind of like maybe i I viewed it slightly differently in in that sense with just a bit Mm. more protectiveness and but protectiveness in the fact that i knew i had to let go to sort of kind of to to let her show me that she was going to be right when she passed um so that yeah that was quite quite an interesting sort of kind of perspective on it um and and carrying that through to to future future pupils and, and yeah, letting them do those like real drives and and things like that um, and she's been a she's been good since <laughs> since so that's good <laughs> it's the instructor that helped her you see that's what's happened yeah she had a good, she had a good instructor so it's all, all good yeah <laughs> um Shall we move on to our, our competency as we are working our way through through these competencies this this year? Um, so this competency we're going to talk about is um, was the pupil encouraged to analyze problems and take responsibility for their learning? So before we dig into this, I just wanted to actually read what the ADI one says about this. Um, just because I think there's maybe not all of it, but I think there's a particularly interesting sentence in 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 the ADR one here um, <laughs> that, that I quite liked. So it says a key part of client centered approach is development of an active pro- problem solving in the pupil. And this is my sentence that I love. This mean the means the PDI has to provide time for this to happen and has to stop talking for long enough for the pupil to do the work. Um. That, that I I'd read that before, but I read it again this morning, and I was like, "Yes, that is true. They do need to stop talking for long enough." Um, and it's yeah, it's so interesting, and I think I can be guilty of this, uh, and I think we all can. Again, we talked about it with serial helpers, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's really really sort of kind of key crucial point of of this competency is that it's all about get and you would you you sort of alluded to it earlier about getting them to provide the solutions and they can't do that if you're talking <laughs> so <laughs> so basically what we have to do with this question is just shut up basically. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I am a couple of local trainers to to me around here have um um so lou walsh used to have a phrase um why am i talking stuck to her um dash dashboard which and so it spells wait um and a couple of the trainers around here um wrote that on wooden spoons and when the pdis were talking for too much they would just like push the wooden spoon through to the front of the car as like a shut up <laughs> sort of thing i don't know if they if they ever went as far as whacking them on the back of the head with the wooden spoon but um... <laughs> i just got a vision now it's like Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like PDIs walking around with big lumps on the back of their head. But um it, it it's it's a common issue uh, uh with, with PDIs and, and probably ADIs as well. Um but I I I know definitely PDIs. I, I for me I from when I've spoken to PDIs, there's an element of wanting to 
you're particularly on a part three, you're like, I, I need to show how good I am. And I know all this stuff. So you, you get that and the nerves kick in again, sort of don't get verbal diarrhea and you, and you start talking too much. There's lots of things that I think cause it. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely something a lot of people can work on. Do you have anything you talk to your PDIs about or ADIs um, to help them shut up? <laughs> so I suppose, you know, there's, there's a few things you can do, especially if you're a PDI learner. And again, I've, I don't think we do this enough, is actually video your lessons. You know, I think that's one of the key things there for this one is how much, like you said, you know, how much am I talking? Which you won't really know until you watch it back. And if you can watch you and your student having a chat, and I call it a chat because that's literally what it is, it's having a conversation. How much talking do you do and how much does your student do? Now, in my coaching, when I'm coaching, the the variables are that the, the trainee or the coachee should be doing 80% of the talking, where I only do 20%. That's, that's what we're aiming for, to be a good coaching conversation. So when you look at that, what you're aiming to do is just ask one question. Shut up and just listen. And that is the hardest part. And it's, I mean, the first, first part of that is, was the pupil. So this has got nothing to do with you, almost. It has, but it hasn't. But it's the majority of this question is all about the student. And was the pupil encouraged? What does that mean? Well, it means that you've you've got to encourage them to speak. You've got to encourage them to problem solve. You've got to encourage them to engage in the learning process. And when you talk about analysing problems, and it's like, well, what does that mean? Well, they should be starting to think about what just happened. Mm, yeah, that would have been dangerous or this what. And what we do is just ask one question and just notice what we get back. People have a set set of questions, which I, I think is so funny, because they say, so what went well on that? And it's like, da, 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 da. What didn't go so well? It's like, da, 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 da. And it's like, well, you haven't listened. You've just read questions. And this is all about listening. You know, where you are just asking one question, you listen to the answer, and then what you're doing is you're going to question what they tell you to yeah. make learning happen. I think I think in a way you've kind of nailed on the head there, actually, with it's quite often the second question that is the key to this, because I think a lot of people get that first question because they've been told to ask that first question. And it's when you move on regardless or possibly worse when you move the conversation in your direction because of their answer wasn't what you were expecting um and so i think actually that's probably if i was a, if i was given a tip to a pdi in this scenario i would say think about what your second question is don't don't think about it as in like planet like after the event what's my second question like moving that conversation on because of what they said like and and actually sometimes it can be something as simple as that's interesting 
tell me more. Um, like pick out one thing. Oh, you said something about like this, this, and this. Tell me more about that. And and that's when you know you're doing this well. When you when you're picking up on those those moments. I just you triggered a couple of things with me when you when you were talking about um <laughs> your 80-20%. Something I did recently with um a, with a people I, I when I was younger, I used to play chess. Um and this just triggered my idea. So I, I've downloaded this app on my phone that's a chess clock. Um, and so I put it between them and then they tap when it's there, when they're talking. And, and it really then just has this visual representation of how long each one of them were talking for during this conversation. And that that's quite an interesting sort of kind of it can it. I don't judge the, the the numbers. It just it's there to in a way it's there just to kind of be. A, it's like the weight stick. It's a reminder. Exactly. Like if it's there, it makes you conscious of it, and therefore you get a better score. Um, I'm not like secretly doing it behind the back. Going, ah, look at this. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it, it's that sort of thing. Is it's that's how I imagine it. Is this you're like knocking the ball over into their court, and and they should have way more of the ball, like you said. The other thing you said about um, recording recording yourself, and, and it's something that we uh, like uh, suggest all the time because it's like probably the most. I'd like, I'd still do it now. I've done it. I've done it for my instructor training sessions when I'm sat in the back, like um, training to see if I'm doing the right thing. So it, it's it's such a vital sort of kind of self analysis analysis tool. And recently, so for with Inspire, we one of the one of the things we do on our courses is we do a sit in the lesson video. So. PDI or ADI sends us sends us a lesson, and we give we 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 give them like feedback within like within the lesson and, and record that and put it back out there. And actually, quite interestingly, one of the most recent ones we did was a PDI talking too much. Um, and she, to be fair to her, she was really good with her questions. They were the right questions, but it, it, the 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 sort of sat at the side of the road actually went on for too too long because they'd got the answer they wanted quite early on. But carried on asking the questions, if that makes sense. So, it, it was, and uh, I I'd spoken to the PDI since, and she said, "Yeah, I watched it back, and I'm like, why am I still talking? Like, move on. We've got the answer." And I think that's that's what you're kind of getting at is is so crucial to 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 look at it that that probably with a like not you can't always get a trainer with you. That I get that cost money and stuff, but um, watching it back yourself is super helpful. But actually getting a trainer to watch it give you some feedback and then watching it again with that feedback in mind, I think opens it up to like, I don't think she would have recognized that without my feedback, if that makes sense. So I think mm -hmm. having somebody um, neutral watching it um, can be really, really helpful because I've done that before. I've watched my own things and somebody is you know, Lou, for example, actually would watch my lessons and then give me feedback. And then I'd be like, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, because and and because in my head I I'd said it differently. And because what even when I'm watching it back, I think you've still got what you had in your head in there and, and you're adding context that's not actually there. And and so it you need sometimes a third party to, to watch that and give you that feedback. So yeah, definitely I I I think that's possibly one of the most like beneficial tools for training, and possibly one of the most underused ones. Because people don't like watching themselves. It's horrible. <laughs> but that, that is the main reason people don't do it, because they don't want to, they don't like their voice. Mm. They don't like watching themselves. They don't like looking at themselves. And, you know, I suppose doing these podcasts, I, you've got 
you know, your Zoom meetings, Teams meetings now, you can see yourself now. And it's more like, do I look like that? What's going on? What's happening? It's like, I'm glad this is not video. I'm glad it's just audio. Um, but it's, it doesn't have to be expensive. And a lot of people think, oh, you've got to have these big cameras and you've got to go and buy these dash cams. And you have got a, a phone. On that phone, it will have a video recorder. You, you don't need it all singing, dancing, whatever. All you're doing is just capturing that moment on a video. Two to three minutes of just videoing yourself. You know, and that is one of the biggest things I think people should be doing. I say I don't like the word should, but that is one of the things that people should be doing is not every lesson. Just pick one lesson. Just pick one lesson a week and say, do you know what? In this lesson, I want to work on how much I'm keeping silent. When I ask a question, do I keep silent? And just watch, I mean, keeping silent is, I know we're going off topic slightly, but body language talks a lot as well, as we all know. But what was your body language saying and what was you saying? That can be so interesting as well. And, if, you know, we talk about was the pupil encouraged? But if your body language is saying one thing and you're saying another, they're not going to be encouraged to partake in that potentially because you're giving mixed messages yeah yeah like you're looking out the window what else did you do <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah i think actually when you're saying about it like it doesn't have to be this big like song and dance and, and bells and whistles on it on it you, you you're right it also doesn't have to be an entire lesson because i think that can sometimes be off-putting because if you're doing two hour lessons, like what, like maybe your memory is not going to fit that on the phone, but, but also actually that's a big effort to sit down and rewatch that for two hours. Um, and I think you lose focus, lose concentration during that anyway. So yeah, do a half an hour, maybe a 40 minutes. If you're going to like, maybe make it like a standard checker part three, like maybe do it like a pick a part of your drop, your lesson where you go, right, I'm going to make this like a standards check um or it could be like you were talking about your like being silent maybe when you pull over at the side of the road and you know you're about to have one of those hopefully really good coaching conversations with your with your um learner that's when you go actually can I just set this up a second and then we'll have a chat um and uh, I don't know if the pupils getting a bit funny about it you can add a bit of time on at the end of the lesson or something if the but to be honest you they I, I would explain you're about to get the best of me because I'm doing it on camera so <laughs> but, that, but that is all that also if you think about it was the pupil encouraged to but they if they're involved in the lesson even if it is watching you video yourself they're going to be more inclined to actually engage in it Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you tell them what you're doing, they I've never had one person when I was doing all my qualifications, whether it was coaching or NLP or whatever it was, what well, all the qualifications I've been doing, I've transferred all that knowledge into in-car training. And I said, Look, I've got this. Can we have a go? Yeah. And they've gone, Oh, that sounds interesting. Let's let's give it a go then. So we've always I've involved them in my learning. Mm, definitely. And I think it's and I think that's helped them as well. Yeah, if I'm going on a course, my pupils know I'm going on a course and I'm like, you just watch out next week because <laughs> I'm coming back with all these techniques <laughs> ready to go. 
Um, but uh, you're right, they do, they engage in it. They go, yeah, let's give it a go, see what happens. Um, and if it doesn't work... Yeah, it doesn't that's work. where the fun begins, isn't it? You know, why? You know, you can do whatever you want to do on a lesson, you know, as long as learning's taking place. And I think this is, you know, is there a set way to encourage pupils to uh, analyse problems? No. That pupil doesn't even have to talk to you. <laughs> you know, some people will go, yeah, but you've got to ask questions, then they've got to answer them, and then you've got to do this. And you... No, they don't. Some people will not talk to you. What suits that student? And if that student will go just write something down or they might draw a picture or whatever, that is encouraging them to analyze problems in their way. And if we're being client-centered, it doesn't have to be telling you what went well. They could just draw it. Yeah, absolutely, actually. And I, that triggered memory of me listening to um, the SEN podcast, um, SEN yeah. Special Educational Needs. And and they were talking about, this was more for like in schools, how the same the so for people with special educational needs they would be maybe offered a different way of showing their learning and they were saying why isn't that just the case for everyone like it doesn't have to be special education why isn't everyone offered their favorite their best way there of, of of showing i've done some learning so for some people it might be writing an article for some people it might be creating a collage of photos or a timeline of something or i don't i don't know like a play or whatever like it could be anything and and our learners are no different to that like yeah let them have their own way of and and actually my daughter's quite interesting interesting that she she struggles to articulate what's going on in her mind and and getting it across so she her favorite phrase is i know what i mean you know what i mean mm. and when someone's saying that to you this conversation isn't the best way for them to show they've learned it um so get sh go show me maybe or like show me what you mean or or put it on a diagram yeah. or whatever i i love my little toy cars in, in the car and that can be a way of them going oh yeah it, it can be a way of them expressing what they mean oh no i meant i meant the car needed to be here um and and stuff like that can be great or draw it mind maps things like that can yeah explore some different ways to have to have these conversations i think is yeah really good really good point um I'm just having a look at the competency to make sure we, so we <laughs> basically what we told everyone to do here is shut up. Uh, <laughs> the... You've been telling people all this time, look, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. No, no, shut up now. <laughs> yeah. So analysing problems for, um, and taking responsibility for their learning. So I suppose, we, yeah, we do need to be in encouraging them to, to have, to have these, um to come up with the solutions um and and i think that's maybe a lot of instructors maybe struggle with that and and possibly because learners can be a little bit reluctant sometimes like, like if they're not used to it um I, I think sometimes you have to train the pupils to be able to do this if that makes sense so they're not used to being asked like how would you do it what would you what would you think we should do differently um and particularly, so that I, I think maybe in the school system, they're not necessarily always asked to do this. So they're coming into this and you're suddenly may possibly even the first adult ever to have asked their opinion. Um, and it throws them. So you've got to train them a little bit. But also if you haven't been doing it, so say you go on a workshop or something like that, 
and you go, okay, right, or you listen to this podcast and next week you're going to go, right, this is what I'm going to go do. It's a shock to their system as well. So don't expect them to suddenly go, oh, yeah, thank you. I've been waiting for you to ask me all these things. Um, and then some, 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 some will, <laughs> and some you need to sort of eke it out. Um, have you got any ways you get like you do that with like with pupils who are maybe a bit more anxious, like to eke it out? I, this is where it comes really, really interesting. On a first lesson, this is where it starts. And people say to me, "You can't ask someone on a first lesson what they want to do." And I've gone, "Yeah, you can," because they normally say, "I don't know." And I say, if you did know, what would you do? Um, but again, it's, it's getting used to that student, isn't it? They might say, well, I don't know. And, you know, it's our favourite place. Oh, yeah, I want to go somewhere quiet. Brilliant. To me, that is the first time they've made a decision. I want to go somewhere quiet. And we negate that because we were going to go there anyway. <laughs> Because that is what we do. But they making that decision is like, fantastic, well done. And that is the start, the ball rolling. From that day one, where do you want to go to learn? Oh, somewhere quiet. You can then build on it. The next part is how far do you want to drive? Well, I don't want to drive too far. Okay, well, pick somewhere down the road that you want to drive to. You know, we're not going to change gear. We're just going to move off and we're going to stop. Where do you want to go to? That point there. Brilliant. So already what you've done is you're encouraging them. And then you, nine times out of ten, you know, something will happen. They won't check the mirror or what, whatever it is. And you can just ask them, how did that feel? Most people say, what, what did you do well? But how did that feel? And that then attaches that emotions to it as well, which a lot of people don't do. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, that felt quite good. It was nice and smooth or whatever it was. And, it, you know, you've just, you've opened up a door. So my tip for this one, to analyse problems, start from day one so that when it comes to lesson 15, 20, 30, whatever it is, they're used to you asking questions. And they will turn around to you about lesson 20 or lesson 30 when you pull up at the side of the road and you say, right, okay. And they say, Kev, I know the questions you're going to ask. This is this, this is this, this is this, this is this. And I go, I'm oh, just about to ask a question. And they go, so what I'm going to do next time is I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I say, so what would, yeah, but if I don't do that, this, and they're in this mold already, you know, so whatever it is work with them from day one yeah no i i, I, I i'm listening to that, that conversation thinking yeah my pupils do that to me um because because they're used to it like you said like sometimes you don't even have to pull over that the, the incident will happen and they'll go we don't need to pull over phil i know exactly what i did wrong <laughs> like they know what i was thinking about it and, and and they're already sort of kind of into that I've, I've already got my solution i'm off All right let's go do it again and actually yeah brilliant because you were saying like don't necessarily have to verbalize it i'm like if they told me they've got a solution i'm like go go show me um <laughs> let's go see what happens <laughs> i'm here if you need me um and that that's all about facilitating learning like it, it's their learning process so let let them be in that process and i do love this idea 
of starting from the start and i'm the same in that in that sense starting from the from that lesson one encouraging that's what i was saying about maybe when they come from a school scenario they're not used to that and you've got to get them from day one i suppose my only thing is obviously if someone isn't already doing this they, they're going to have a bunch of people that aren't day one so maybe we, like we talked about earlier it's about saying well i've listened to this thing and i and i want to i want to start doing this so it's going to be a bit different for a while work with me like don't just start doing it to your pupil like let and then they're saying well, i don't know what i want to do you're yeah. the instructor you tell me and this is where that conversation ends up but this for me is about just give them options yeah you know just say that we've got options today it's a nice sunny day do you fancy going for a drive do you fancy doing some maneuvers what do you fancy doing mm. do you know yeah. once they start getting so once they get start getting used to answering those options like choosing an option and not being judged then that's when they that's when they start going oh oh it's okay for me to say what i mean and and then and then you don't have to give the later on down the line you don't have to to give the options the other one i use for that that first lesson when you when you get that i don't know because you said well what would you do if you do know and that's I, that's a classic coaching question i love it um the <laughs> Is, is I I say to them so last night when you were sat at home thinking about this lesson because who isn't sat at home thinking about their first driving lesson the night before what were your expectations um or or even like what what have your friends told you about their first lessons what are you expecting like that's about to happen because I think sometimes that can lead into a conversation about maybe some current concerns they have that that might be just misleading and not true like the they, they might have heard a myth from a friend or a dad or whatever and stuff or, or have, and, and you can then maybe alleviate a lot of the concerns before we even start driving um so yeah getting again it's that maybe that conversation can happen on the way there or like because if you're going to the like practice area um so yeah i think yeah start from the beginning and train them to to have these conversations with you um so i'm just looking at the positives on the adi one the things the examiners are looking for. Um, so providing time in a suitable location to explore any problems or issues that arose during the lesson or that were raised by the pupils. So I, I quite like the suitable location because I think this maybe alleviates the fear that um, some people are a bit concerned you're not supposed to pull over anymore um, on, on part threes and that is definitely not, not the case. Yeah, during it's, COVID, it's, it was it was a thing. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, I know it's your lesson on the standards take or part three, but the first off, I mean, this is where it goes back to, uh, I suppose, how all the competencies are linked. You know, this is about choosing the right route, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you've got the right route, and you've done it and they're doing really well you know what do you do then you move it on you know and i think this is you know have a stop but where do you stop know where you want to stop if something goes wrong where are you going to stop where can you adapt the lesson if something's gone wrong you know if you have a safety critical incident somewhere where are you going to pull them over because you need to talk you need to talk and you need to talk about consequences and benefits and all that sort of stuff. But if you haven't planned that route well enough, you're going to be panicking. Yeah. And, you know, and you're just creating a whole new world for yourself that you haven't planned. Yeah. 
And that's when it all goes pear-shaped. That's where the time starts getting away from you. This is where the, the mind starts playing tricks on you. And it really is about, you know, just, I know we're looking at one competency, but look at all of them. You know, you might have three or four safety critical incidents in that 40 minutes. Potentially, hopefully not, but, but you might well. But what do you do? And and that's what I think, you know, where are you going to put up? Where's a safe place to have a chat? And yeah. I don't think from what I've seen, you know, again, sitting in people's lessons coming up for a standards check. Um, and it's quite interesting because they've got the route, they've got this, they've got that. And I say, you happy with it? Yeah. Student happy? Yeah. Something goes wrong and they go, right, we deal with this on the move. We won't talk about that yet. And we go around, they do some more and then they do it again and something else happens and it's a snowball. Mm. You know, just think about the route. Where can you stop? Be kind to yourself. You know that pause we were talking about earlier? Being mm -hmm. silent? That's your time to have a little breather. <laughs> you go, oh, right, what do I want to do? Yeah, I think this moves on to the second sort of kind of point here, which says provide timely opportunities for analysis. So again, it's like it's having places to stop so that it's not twenty minutes later, um, and and then you're you're getting out this like right. So this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Like, well, I don't know which one to deal with. Um, I think actually on that note, something I always suggest that if you have a moment and you're and you're putting a pin in it because you don't want to have the conversation because there's another roundabout coming up which is absolutely correct. So like, remember that situation for me, we're going to have a chat in a second. What I think you need to do is be aware that maybe you need to up your level of instruction until you get the opportunity to pull over because despite saying you're not going to have a conversation about it, that conversation is happening in your pupil's head quite often. <laughs> They're like, remember that? They're like, yeah, what should I have done? Yeah, definitely. And there's yeah, another round. That one now. Like, yeah. So they're thinking about it, even if you're not talking about it. So it's you've got to bring their attention back to the road and get yourself through that next couple of scenarios maybe until you mm. get the opportunity because there isn't always someone just to pull over the next two seconds um, lovely if there was yeah no, we'll just, we should just be allowed like a light that where we can just stop in the middle of the road and go sorry analyzing <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah go, yeah <laughs> um but yeah they the it, it just yeah just be wary of that because that's quite often why you get this snowball effect is because the pupil's mind is spiraling and not concentrating so i do think maybe a, a change of level of instruction short term just to support that scenario can can help with this as well um and you you might again find that people starts talking to you about it and and not maybe not getting into falling into that trap of going and just reminding oh. them we'll talk about it in a minute when we got time to think and stuff let's let's deal with this um, yeah. yeah, and you can even phrase it as, okay, so that's just happened. We're going to talk about it in more depth in a short while. What I'll do, especially if it's been serious, is I'll talk you through the next one. And then when we get a chance, and what you're doing there, if you just explain exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, not just helping with a little bit. Of, I'll talk you through the next one. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's, you know, you're crystal clear what's happening. Yeah. And actually, if the next one was a similar incident, you might find that that then helps you with your analysis because they've then seen it go well. 
and you you can link the two and go what was different and 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 it can actually help you with the analysis as well. Whereas if they've both gone wrong, it's like just a snowball of like <laughs> I can't I can't drive, can I? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Where's this nursery route that I need to go back to now? And it's yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, so I'm just having a quick have a look at this um, positive. So taking time and using suitable techniques to understand any problems the pupil had um, with understanding the issue. Um, so that's just kind of, again, using coaching questions and, and techniques, isn't it, to to get the pupil to work through a problem, which is what we've kind of talked about. Exactly yeah. that, isn't it? It's, it's working with the student. What does the student, what does the student learn? How does the student learn best is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, suggesting suitable strategies to help the pupil develop their understanding, such as using practical examples or pointing out further reading. And actually, that again goes back to, I think, something you said earlier about not everyone loves the same. So maybe you, you have a pupil who wants to go away and read about this before coming back to, to analysing it. Now, that might be a bit tricky mid-standards check, but... Uh, just but you can get like des out or 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 the highway code and in, in that scenario as well um i think just mentioning it though oh yeah yeah do you know i think that's the that's one of the things here is this has happened what do i want to happen i want them to go away and but you can't get them out of the car because you're mid lesson or whatever it is so just mention it Mm -hmm. reaffirm it at the end of the lesson so what are we going to do oh this is i need to go away and watch this video tell you the differences and what i should be doing and what i shouldn't be doing that is part of what this is about as well yeah definitely i think this actually they're just triggering a memory there of something um Stuart Lockery um describes as pre-work rather than homework which i, I love the phrase and how he will then sort of have this scenario where i don't know we're going to go do um roundabouts right turns for the first time next week and it, it's getting the pupil to go away and research that and go you come teach me how to do roundabouts right turns um and i think that's quite an interesting sort of kind of it's not it, it's not quite this competency but it, it's it well it is in a way because you're getting the pupil even before the problem to analyze come up with solutions um and and involving them in that learning process so stuff like that can be really helpful and i like calling it pre-work rather than homework because it doesn't have oh, this yeah pre-work is 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 the best thing ever and especially if you are involving them and especially if they don't even have to drive one of the things that i've found that's works goes back to videoing because they've all got phones again is they're going to be turning right at the roundabout that is considered to be the worst roundabout in the world is we'll get mum or dad, brother, sister to drive around it. And what I want you to do is video it. And then watch it again. So they're sitting in the passenger chair, just videoing it as they go around. What did you notice? What did they do? What what happened? And that I think is a is a almost a classic for them because it takes all the pressure away. Mum mm -hmm. and dad have normally done something wrong. <laughs> which is again is learning isn't it it's, it's it's fantastic but then it gives you the opportunity to talk through it with them and they're going to explain things to you and then you give them the opportunity well how do you want to do this then do you want to talk me through it do you want to drive and i'll talk you through it or do you just want to have a go 
Yeah, I, I know. I really love that. I've never, I've never considered that. I've, I've, I've done a little bit of that where I've told them to go and get your parents to drive around there and watch your parents drive and and learn from that, but not video it. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a good learning tool. Um, and yeah, I imagine it creates a lot of lot of conversations. Um, I, I think another one I've done that's similar is get them to effectively drive it on Google Maps on Google Street View. Yeah. Be a good a good tool um or i just get them to watch my videos of me driving it um so <laughs> but that's not as fun because that's just me doing it right um so you should do it wrong you should do uh, it wrong I'm not, I'm not putting that on youtube <laughs> it's like it's how not to drive across the roundabout <laughs> get my them up, get the police knocking on the door going um you've got video evidence of here you doing this illegally <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe not <laughs> <laughs> um so let's just round this up with uh, giving clear and accurate information to fill the gap for the pupil's knowledge and understanding so i think this actually is something that can get confusing because you've got people like you and me who are constantly saying coach and ask questions and get the pupil to come up with the solutions and then you see this sort of kind of painful moment where they're trying to get pupil to give them something that they just don't know because it's technical and we do teach a technical um like driving is a technical skill and sometimes people just don't know and that's fine um and you could like do what we've said go away and research it and come back with the answer that is absolutely fine and a good way of doing it but i think also in the moment for time-based reasons you, it is also okay to just go here's some information <laughs> however what i always suggest to my guys is anytime you give someone information get them to analyze what you've just said because i think that's where it sticks like if you're just throwing out stuff and and i wonder how many times you've heard someone said we talked about this last week and they can't remember because it hasn't they haven't analyzed it so it hasn't like created those brain connections um so whereas you say so I'll, I'll give you a bit of information and then you say what do you think the advantages and disadvantages of driving like that or doing it like that are give me some pros and cons that sort of thing or why do you think we do it like that um and now the pupil has to analyze what you've said it, it, it's going to stick because they they're having to work it out and and it's not just a, a remembering exercise um so yeah that would be my sort of kind of suggestion for that mm. But that's, that's great, though, isn't it? Because, you, again, you're getting them to think. You're getting them to take responsibility for that learning, which is what this question is all about. You know, at the end of the day, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to get them to take responsibility because you are not going to be there after they pass this test. Yeah, and actually just that sums up the next line perfectly, which is leave the pupil feeling they had responsibility for their learning. <laughs> um, and, and what you said there about you're not always going to be there. And I think that makes this competency quite crucial because it's possibly one of the, like one of the most important skills we can teach them is, is it's not all the driving stuff. It's the, the ability to self-analyze and come up with solutions because we can't cover everything when we're out on driving lessons they're going to come across stuff that they haven't dealt with before and i hope my pupils have the ability to not just go well it wasn't my fault um i, I hope they have the ability to go what was my part in that what could i have done differently what would i do differently next time um and and that ability to self-analyze because we talk about 
gaining experience as drivers makes you a better driver but i've seen people driving and that isn't necessarily the case um and so experience itself doesn't necessarily make you a better driver it's what you do with that experience and that self-analysis and that's this competency is that giving your pupil that tool to to go what use that experience to become a better driver um and and continuously become a better driver which would be nice wouldn't it <laughs> and that, that's the that's the end goal really isn't it the continuation of learning yeah because that is what you do when you're driving the actual skill of driving is pretty straightforward but when you add the thinking in and behavior and others thinking <laughs> behavior then you're into a whole new ball game and that's what we're working on if they can analyze problems or start predicting what might actually happen that's where the self-analyzing comes back and everyone's going okay this is what i'll do now then yeah I love that. so i'm gonna ask you one more question before we um before yeah. we wrap up um, just because you said something earlier and I was like, oh, I must ask him about that later. Um, <laughs> so, I didn't want to interrupt our lovely our, our lovely competency chat. Um, so why why don't you like the word should? Why don't I like the way should? It has so many connotations. You should have done that. You should have done this. You should do it this way. You should do that. And I think it's so potentially, it's very similar to the Y word. It is um, potentially 99% of the time it's used in a negative way. Yeah. What do you use instead? <laughs> so what I want you to do is research that and then come back to <laughs> You're not allowed to use the Y word anymore. How do you swap the Y word but in a question? Yeah. And that is... Probably, and if, if, if whoever's watching this, even if it's people in the wherever, how do you swap swap the Y word, but still ask a question? Nice, nice. I like I, I like that. Yeah, we're going to leave it at that. So, in the comments, in the comments, <laughs> whether it's YouTube or Facebook, what, what, yeah, how are you using the Y word, and what are you using instead of should? Um, yeah, no, I like I like that. Um, <laughs> Go, go find some solutions for yourself. Um, take responsibility for your learning. That's what we're going to go for. Um, so, Kev, I'm going to ask you for your final top tip, which is what I ask everyone for. Um, just, and it doesn't have to be anything to do with what we've been talking about, just your top tip. Maybe driving related would be quite good, but just like not, not, not your cooking top tip or anything. But... Um, <laughs> um and i never i never pre-warn you guys to do this because which I, I always forget um but i think it's more fun when you when you do it off the cuff but before you do that do you want to take an opportunity to tell everyone how they can find you after they've loved engaging with you today <laughs> so yeah i mean we've mentioned already the confident drivers website um there's loads of stuff on there courses and freebies and tools and techniques um we've got a podcast as well which is the driving confidence podcast um and again you know you can find us on facebook youtube personally if you just want to talk to me um kevfield or kevfield the driving confidence coach i'm out there doing training for instructors pdis adis um yeah anything really or if you just want to have a chat 
you know and i think that the more people we can have a chat with the better this this little place will be yeah and i think if you're anything like me i do we just enjoy talking about this sort of stuff um <laughs> to be yeah. honest um <laughs> uh, am, am i right in in thinking the confident um drivers podcast is like it is good for instructors but it's aimed at learners is that is that's your like a target audience if that makes sense i suppose it's it's aimed at more at learners and people that have passed their test and that is our our target audience as such but we have so many instructors use it and yeah. then tell their learners watch this episode or listen to this episode should i say because yeah, we don't like watching ourselves so <laughs> Yeah, the only reason I mention it because I, I I do the same. I listen to it and I recommend it to, to like episodes to to learners. Um, but yeah, just so people had an idea that it like it's a place to send your learners. If we if we were going back to right back to where we were talking about um, driving tests and people maybe having a lack of confidence, maybe that is somewhere they can go to and and mm-hmm. have a listen to an episode. I I, I know there's been some you've had some great people on there that have overcome some sort of kind of like and i'm like it's amazing it's amazing i've I've had people i've had people listen to it go and 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 literally say if that person can get over that incident and get back in a car i can pass a driving test Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) there's been some crazy stories and most times i don't know the story tracy's probably done most of the talking i turn up and i just have a little chat like i've done with yourself and it's like did you really just say you did that yeah, <laughs> after you've just been through it? It's like, ow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I do. I, I enjoy your podcast. Um, so, um, what's your top tip for everyone then? My top tip for everyone would be um, make sure that your skills and understanding and knowledge are there in the first place. You know, if you want to do something, make sure you've got the skills, knowledge, and understanding. Right. that actually brings me back to um listening to the diary of the ceo which i just did a book club with with terry and my favorite part of that book was about filling your buckets and the bucket the first two buckets are um understanding knowledge and understanding and skill is the second bucket and 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 he goes back to it doesn't matter the other five buckets the other three buckets are like other stuff but he said everybody can take anything away from you but they can't take those two things away from you you can't take away your knowledge and understanding your skill and if you've always got those even if something goes wrong you can rebuild because you you've got that foundation so yeah no i, I love that as a tip that's good um so yeah thank you very much Kev, for um no problem at all coming on and um yeah this is like this isn't the first episode that's going out but it's my first one i've recorded so i've got that in the bag so thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) thanks phil thank you inspire instructor podcast where the learning never stops